Last week, I talked about uh, what is the Bible, and I talked about how it's the truth of God to expose the lies of the world and reshape us to be true and authentic disciples of Jesus. But this week, we're going to look at, well, what does that mean to be a disciple of Jesus? What is a, a disciple or an apprentice of Jesus? So here's the lie or the myth. Uh, that maybe we've been fed by the world or we've been deceived into believing, is sometimes you'll hear Jesus was a good teacher and he had some interesting lessons for us. You know, there was some good uh, information in his teaching. You know, and maybe some people would say, ah, there's some other stuff. I I don't know about it. But, uh, you know, Jesus at least was a generally good teacher with some uh, good or interesting lessons. Um, But here is the truth. Um, And and why I'm convinced that's problematic um, is we come to Jesus for information, not transformation, because the truth is that a disciple didn't want to just know what their rabbi or their teacher knew. They wanted to do what the rabbi did, right? So once again, you know, Satan's lie isn't so much that, oh, you know, you should totally avoid Jesus. He's terrible, whatever. It's okay. Well, if I can't get you to believe that, maybe I'll just teach him that, well, he's a, he's a novel teacher. Just come to him for some information. Just don't become like him. But the truth is that as disciples, we don't want to just know what Jesus knew, but do what he did. Uh, look at what the scriptures say in Luke 640. A student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. Um, and so really, I, w- I want to kind of get into um, what that means to become fully trained, to be like their teacher. If you've listened to the podcast before, you may have heard me talk about this to an extent. Um, also, there's some great books on it from Ray Vanderland and Lois uh, Zverberg. I know it's actually getting a little bit more popularized uh, in John Mark Comer's new book, uh, Practicing the Way. Uh, but essentially, the way discipleship or apprenticeship worked for Jesus's disciples um, was that you would kind of have like the closest equivalent to elementary school for little boys um, in ancient Israel. Um, so in that time when like, you know, Peter and James and John and Matthew and all those people were growing up, they likely went to Torah school. Um, and what they would do as little kids is they would go to the synagogue and there was actually one scroll uh, or maybe, you know, a, a couple with the different books of the Bible. But there's generally one uh, scroll or group of books um, that made up the Bible for them that the whole town had to share and was kept at the synagogue. Um, sometimes the kids did not even learn to read in school. It was just read aloud to them and they would memorize the entire Old Testament. This would usually happen. Uh, from the time, that, or sorry, uh, the entire first five books of the Bible, the Torah. Um, they would often do this from the time they were about five to about 13 years old. And the town, uh, you know, synagogue teacher, or sometimes they were called a rabbi, um, they would just give them the information in that case. They would say, we just want you to memorize this. There was no other like, you know, math or science or, you know, history. Like that was, you know, school for them. They would memorize. And sometimes, you know, I say this and people go, okay, come on, there's no way. Like memorizing that that much, it's not possible. Um, but it still happens, even in this day and age. You can look up YouTube videos. Um, you know, there's still kids in, uh, usually it's Muslim-dominated countries that will uh, memorize the entire Quran in Arabic. Here's the crazy thing. I, I've seen videos of this where there'll be a, a, a child reciting large portions of the Quran in Arabic, and then they'll go on talking in English or some other language because they don't fluently speak Arabic. 
They, 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 don't, they don't even understand what they're memorizing uh, per se, but those words in the original language are so precious to them. How much more precious then should the Bible be to us um, who have it in English in our own language? Um, but I'll, I'll move on. So uh, what would happen is you'd memorize the entire Torah if you were someone like um, you know, James, John, Peter, Matthew. Uh, and then um, you would sort of have a graduation ceremony um, where the ruler of the synagogue would say, you know, good job. You've hidden God's word in your heart. Now go apply it to your life, um, but go learn a trade, right? What you're going to do is you're going to go to your father usually, and if he's a farmer, you're going to learn to farm. If he's a fisherman, you're going to learn to be a fisherman. If he's a carpenter, you're going to be a carpenter. That was generally what happened um, to 90, 95% of most children uh, in a village or city uh, where they did this. And then there were maybe, you know, like 5% of the others. Well, what happened with them? They were usually the cream of the crop, the best of the best. And they would be said, we want you to stick around, uh, you know, after you're 13. And we want you to memorize the rest of the Old Testament with us because you show a special aptitude. You, 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 you really have, you might have what it takes. You know, you got something special there and we want to see how you develop. And so they, you know, they go through school, they memorize the rest of the Old Testament. Um, And then usually most of those students uh, would then be told, all right, uh, you know, you did good. Um, We're glad you've memorized and applied God's word in your heart, but um, you just don't have, you know, quite have what it takes to go to the next level. So um, go home, learn your father's trade and so on. But to the very best of the best of the best, they would go on to the third and final level, uh, or close to final level, where they memorized the Talmud, uh, which was just like a collection of like, rabbinic teachings and interpretations on the Old Testament. And so they would memorize all of that. Like, once again, this is a lot to memorize, a lot of school they go through for years and years. And it's only the best of the best of the best. Right? These are like the people who are like full ride scholarship to like MIT or Yale, University of Chicago, Harvard. Um, and, and, and they go to school and once they are finished, they would be told, you know, essentially, you know all that you need to know. We have no other sacred scriptures for you to study. You have learned all that you need to learn. You can talk the talk. Now go learn to walk the walk. And so it was said that they would go to learn a rabbi's halak, which is just the Hebrew word for their walk, their way of the Torah. Because the thing is, they had gotten all this information. Now they had to put it into practice. They needed transformation. So literally they would seek out a rabbi and they would say, Rabbi, I've memorized all these things. I've done all the work of learning beforehand. Now I want to do what you do. I want to make the Torah manifest as you make it manifest. And so that's what they did. Then, you know, what they would do is uh, uh, the rabbi would often give them a test. Maybe they'd have to recite a certain portion of scripture or, um, you know, explain their interpretation on something or if they align with this school or, you know, how they already are putting something into practice. Um, And they might, quote unquote, pass all the tests, but the rabbi might still say to them, like uh, what was said to many of their peers, you don't quite have what it takes to become like me. So, you know, find another rabbi or go and learn a trade. And to the very best of the best of the best, the rabbi would say, you have what it takes. Now come follow me. Uh, And then they would follow them for years 
and, and, and they would literally walk. Like when I say follow, like they literally followed and walked behind them wherever they went so close because they wanted to hear every word, every little prayer that they might say along the road or something like that because they needed to memorize it and apply it and, and just live every uh, waking moment like them. They'd get up when they got up. They ate what they ate. Um, they tied their shoes like they tied their shoes. They wore the kind of clothes that they wore. They wanted to, to do everything like the rabbi. Uh, and after years of walking behind them, getting caked in their dust, right? People would bless them and say, may you continue to be covered in the dust of your rabbi. They'd sit at his feet um, and do what he did. Maybe the rabbi would even send them out um, to do certain tasks so that they would uh, prove uh, that they were learning correctly and that they were applying it correctly. Uh, and then... After years and years of becoming like him, uh, the disciples would be given kind of their final graduation ceremony or commissioning. And they'd be said, uh, it would be said to them, you've become as like me as is possible. Now go and do the same. Become your own rabbi and make more disciples in my school or my way uh, of teaching. Um, this, this was uh, the blueprint of discipleship. This was just the reality for disciples. And so when Jesus, uh, it was very rare that, that a disciple or a rabbi would, would seek someone out who had essentially dropped out of school or flunked out of school um, and say, actually, they were wrong. You have what it takes. Come follow me. You can become like me. You are worthy to become like me. Well, that's what most of Jesus' disciples had probably been told at some point in their life. When Jesus finds Peter and his brother, they are fishermen. That means at some point they've been told you don't have what it takes. And so Jesus says, come follow me. Of course they follow him. That's like saying, hey, I want to give you a full ride scholarship you know, to go study at this university under the best professor. Of course they would drop everything to go do that. And so that is the great honor. Um, and so with that in mind, I want us to read this passage uh, from Matthew. Once again, if you've been listening to the podcast, you've probably heard me talk about this before. It says in Matthew 14, 25, shortly before, John, uh, before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake, right? He's walking on water. And when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. So immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? Now here's where the rubber meets the road here. I, I want to ask, um, when Jesus is saying, why did you doubt? Is he asking Peter, why did you doubt me, Jesus? Or perhaps is he asking him, Peter, why did you doubt yourself? Peter sees his rabbi walking on the water and likely thinks, I have been called as a disciple. That means I have what it takes. Jesus believes in me that I have what it takes to become like him, to do the things he does. And so if my rabbi's walking on water, I, I'm gonna, and he tells me I can walk on water, I'm going to walk on water. And he does. But I wonder if he sees the wind and the waves. And I, I wonder, uh, I, I think he's not so much afraid um, of, of necessarily sinking or that Jesus won't rescue him or that, you know, that this isn't somehow possible. But Peter's doubt is all the voices he's heard in his head before that you're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You're only good enough to be a fisherman. You'll never be a disciple like 
someone else. And Jesus is saying to him, I had faith in you. I still have faith in you. Why are you doubting yourself? And perhaps that's the negative self-talk many of us have, is that we hear those voices that you aren't good enough, you're not smart enough. And yet God is saying, you have what it takes by the power of the Holy Spirit to learn from me, not just information, but transformation, to become like me and do the things I did uh, and still do. So here's the application for us today. Um, This is absolutely crucial for any Christian, old or new, is to find older, godlier people to mentor you, to say, I want to become like you as you are becoming like Jesus. And this is the important part, is we need to do what they say and hopefully, to a right extent, do what they do and ultimately do the things that Jesus did and make more disciples who are like Jesus and do what he did and does.